And so I got right on. I had a message I was already working on, so I got right on that. Worked on in the evening, and then about the time when I thought I was getting somewhere, then <coughs> I just realized that that dog wasn't going to hunt, and I had to go looking for something else. So I went into some of my old messages. This message actually I brought quite a, quite a few years ago in uh, Fairbanks Pioneer Home uh, when we were about that ministry. Uh, <coughs> You'll probably know as they go through this that uh, for the pioneers, because most of a lot of them couldn't read, didn't have Bibles, everything went on the scripture, everything went up on the screen. So you'd have an opportunity to, to uh, view it. <coughs> but I'd like you, if you have a mind, turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at this portion of scripture that I've titled Mary's Song of Praise. Sometimes the portion, the second portion of scripture that we're going to look at is all, sometimes called the Magnificat for whatever reason. Might be some transposition from Latin, I'm not sure. But <clears throat> this was uh, uh, an account that was the, 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 uh, the gospel writer Luke uh, put in it as a part of his uh, book uh, to, to give this slant on the birth, what actually what happened mainly before the birth of Christ, even the time of conception. And Pastor Humphrey, very ably, uh, a week or two ago, he gave a, a wonderful message focusing on the man and the characteristics of Joseph and how that God had specifically and especially created him, engineered him, knew this man's heart so that he would be the one that would be, that would raise Jesus. He wasn't, he was his stepfather. He had, as we've learned, he had no part in the, in the uh, conception, as did Pastor Demo, Pastor Humphrey has pointed out in the message that he did last week uh, about that Mary had actually no part in it other than that she she bore the baby. She had no part in the conception. There was no human element in this, as we're going to see, that term holy thing. That it was all of God. <coughs> That we're going to look at this and later on, the, the, God wants to be known for his holiness and his righteousness and his mercy and his grace, certainly. But <clears throat> if we can get a glimmer, if we can get a glimpse, if we can get the handle on who God really is, then it helps us better to know him, to worship him, to serve him. And for you that may be lost, that you could come to a point where you would understand your need and you come to him for salvation. So, <clears throat> I guess you can read that. I can read that. <laughs> God had promised centuries before that he would one day send a deliverer who would save the world's people, both Jew and Gentile, from their sins. The time had now come when he would begin to fulfill his promise. And Pastor Humphrey, even this morning, talked about in the fullness of time that God had ordered events, the whole world at that time was, was being prepared. 
And God had been working this way, using God, uh, governments and men to, to, to bring it to a point where the world was ready to receive the coming king. Looks like I advanced mine too. Oh, that's okay. The Bible says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We see this, this slide. You can only imagine uh, in, a, in a general way how this must have uh, uh, affected this young lady. When who knows how that this, if, they, if the angel come knocking on the door or if he just poof, there he was. But she, um, you might think that some people, they might have, you know, they might have freaked out and they might have went tearing out of the house, but no. This young lady had, was a saved woman. She had a high degree of spiritual perception and receptivity, and she knew, I believe she knew, that there was something very, very special happening here. And so she opened herself up to this angelic being. An angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Oh. I'm doing this stuff like it all the time. Drives me crazy. So then the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. <clears throat> we know from Scripture that this was what was the import here now of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. <clears throat> and further, from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the fulfillment of that was recorded by Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that signaled then the, this was going to be a special birth. God with us in person is coming into the world. He shall be great, and shall call the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, forever and his kingdom there shall be no of the kingdom there shall be no end. And so now Mary begins to speak. She said, Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Uh, <clears throat> she didn't say, I, I don't understand, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I can't do this, I don't want to hear any more of this. No, she just says, help me to understand. Yeah. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, the, Lord, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. As I already pointed out the, the import of that term, the holy thing, <clears throat> I believe, I don't know all that she, she understood at this time, but I know of a truth that the Holy Spirit was working on her through all this time. He began to give her assurance that what was to come was from God and that she could trust God for whatever did come and happen. The truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, being his proper title, now was going to be birthed into this world. And so now we begin to look at the substance of what is called, what we call Mary's song. Now understand when it says here, and Mary said, okay, these are the very words that Mary spoke under inspiration of God. She was, she would be, pass this on to someone and someday that, that Luke heard of this and he would record exactly what she said. Consider. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I hope that you can say that today, and that you can have peace and joy in your heart from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's what he was born to do, you know that we could have an opportunity to establish an everlasting relationship with him and God the Father to be able to worship with saints and angels in eternity uh, in heaven. Whoops. Oh, I guess that's right. <coughs> and again, that term about magnifying means to extol to make large, to make great, it can mean to, to praise. And uh, David wrote of that in Psalm 34, verses 2 and 3, where he said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Now think on that. <coughs> Didn't he say that? Jehovah God. If there's anything in this existence to boast about, it should be our great God and Savior, our Creator. He says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what the saints are to do, you know, when we assemble for worship is to give praise to our great God and only Mary rejoiced in her salvation as numbers of others have in, in centuries, even millennia past. I've chose this verse from Isaiah again because of, <clears throat> I want you to note the personal pronouns that are presented here. <clears throat> Isaiah said, behold her, look, God is my salvation. 
I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. Twice he repeats that, that phrase that, it, that he had salvation through the Lord Jehovah. That term is only used one other time in Scripture, and that is in also in, the, in the, the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 4. After verse 26, verse 3, talks about, you know, thou shalt keep them in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on thee. And then he says in, in verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Okay, now let's rewind. Isaiah there in, in, in chapter 26 uses that term, that Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And then in further here, in chapter 12, he also relates it to the strength, his strength, that he could, he could access the power and the strength of the Lord God. And it was available to him any time for any person that knew God's salvation. And he had something to sing about. He said those things were his song. Something special, you know. You know, I really, uh, I really enjoy singing in the choir. You just, you just can't know how that ministers to me. Can't tell, I just can't tell you how it ministered to me the songs that Pastor had chosen and we, uh, and we sang those in that program. Because I hear those things, and they're in here. And there's times when I get close to God and I can sing about his wonderfulness. And I, and I praise God for that. I am an adopted son. I'm not, not, no, no person is naturally born into the family of God. It takes a supernatural event when we repent and put our faith and trust in Christ. But that is something that's so awesomely real to me when I think on those things. And I thank God for it. I thank for those that, that sing in the choir. I'm thankful for those that, that play in the orchestra. I hope more will get involved in there. Fill that place up over there with beautiful music. God-honoring music. Music that can touch the soul, that can lead us in worship and praise to our great God. Because I'll tell you what, there's going to come a time in your life when you may not have anything else to boast of, but if you have God as your Savior, you've got all you need. Amen. That's right. <laughs> and I chose this, uh, this uh, verse from Habakkuk. I like using other, uh, others of the prophets and so on. People like to use that. But you know, Habakkuk, under the inspiration of God, penned, penned a verse about that the just, the, the, the just shall be justified by their faith that is quoted three times in the New Testament in different forms, in different nuances. Habakkuk knew some things. He was gifted of God with, with revelation for, for the future and also for the everyday preaching, which I'm sure he was a wonderful preacher. He said, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He had something to proclaim and to be joyful about. Okay, let's go on. <clears throat> now she says, 
For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. That that word um, handmaiden comes from the Greek root word meaning bond slave. You know about the doulos, right? The bond servant, Pastor Humphrey talked about. Well, this, um, this handmaiden, that term there is, is simply the, a feminine form of doulos. Which when you think about it, um, she may very well, he says from her low estate, she may have been born into a family that, that had that, that her father was was a doulas was a bond servant. He may have been one that uh, you know that had had his ear bored out and had been you know uh, for the faithfulness of his faithfulness to his master. But nevertheless, it was uh, it was an office of service. Their whole life of the doulas of the handmaiden was to serve her master. A good example and a good thought for us. And that she was, she was certainly amenable to that. This was the way she was raised, and she had a humble heart. You see, God had prepared her. He knew her from before, before creation that this woman, he was going to prepare her to be a very, very special one that she would be 100% as she learned more of the revelation of God, she was 100% submitted to his will for her life. I hope you can say that for yourself. I hope that I can say that for myself and it be true. For certainly, that's where I need to be, where we need to be. Oh, I guess I messed up. There it is. That's what we should have been reading. And we know the psalmist wrote that sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's what he wants. He wants us to emulate. Um, we're going to look at a little bit about the matter of selfish pride and what, what it will afford, what it affords people. And it says... Here in the, that all nations of the earth would be blessed by the baby Mary would bear. We know from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, there was the, in there it was the, called the Abrahamic covenant, and that God made specific promises in real time that he has fulfilled to the nation of Israel. And we're going to say some things too. At the end of this message, she, didn't, she talks about the nation of Israel. Israel right now is, is set aside because of their unbelief, but there's going to come a time when, it, when they enter into the, the time of the tribulation where God is going to really work on that nation, but they're always going to be there. And at the end of that, end of that uh, uh, tribulation, one-third of the, of the living Jews are going to get saved. Read the book of Zechariah. And you look at the, all the nations in the world today, there are very few nations that I have any level of 
great respect for, but Israel is number one. Israel knows how to take care of himself. If Vladimir Putin would attack Israel, and they will, the North is going to come down on them one day. He's going to wipe out five out of six of their, of their military machine. But if, they, if he messed with Israel today, they would have sent him packing in 30 days. That's how tough Israel is. I admire their toughness and their fortitude. And one day, God is going to use those, those one-third of those are going to enter into the millennium to begin to serve God because they're his people, and he has a special plan for them from eternity past, and he's going to act out every promise of blessing to them in eternity present. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Like we used to sing, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, and of course, adults too. But you know, I look at this, this one here. If I saw that guy coming at me, I might head the other direction. Kind of a scary guy. But nevertheless, you know, all these people, whatever background they have, if you look closely, you can see many, 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 many people groups. They look different, they talk different, they act different, different culture, they have all have one thing in common, the immortal soul. Jesus came to die for those souls, for the souls to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. All kinds of people will meet in heaven. I don't know what form we'll have there as far as countenance and so on. I don't know if we're going to be able to tell one from the other what we were before. But nevertheless, in this time, God looks at all those people who are being on the same level, the same playing field. They all have the opportunity to repent and believe and become a part of the family of God. doesn't make any difference. They're in Africa, Lebanon, Russia. Brother Edom and his, and his family served faithfully there in, in, in uh, 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 western Russia there. For years and years and years, and people's souls were brought to the cross in a communist country. I don't care what they say. They, they were all communists, they'll always be communists. And there's nothing good in communism. But the people, people are all the same. Okay. Okay. Psalm 71, verse 19. Um, it says there again, if you have your eyes on the scripture, I can't show you that. That's why you should have your Bible open. I didn't tell you that, did I? Okay. Um, the word translated mighty is related to a like word meaning miraculous power. Indeed, our God is a miraculous worker in saving souls and providing for his children. Acts 1.8 power. Acts 1.8 power but he shall re receive power. That, that's the dunamis, the, the live power, the strengthening power, the ability to, to take God's word out into the world. That's what it's to be about. And he also, she also proclaimed 
his holiness. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Um, <clears throat> perhaps I didn't spend as much time on that about his, you know, his, his might and his power. You know, we, we really leave off a lot of the uh, benefit to our life when we don't get, get really a handle on that God is ready to use his power to work in our lives for our good. We'd rather do it our way. That's the human tendency. The farther we can get away from that tendency, the better we'll be off in our personal relationship with God. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, we're reminded of that truth. He said, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life. What a wonderful title, the Prince of Life. As Pastor said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, spiritual life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Here's what he gave a testimony. That's what witnesses do. They can only give the truth and the absolute truth, everything that they know that they've seen themselves and give attestation to. And that's what we're to do, to be faithful witnesses. Now, we go on. <coughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Now, <coughs> in verses 50 through 51 of that, of that chapter, Mary said, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. <clears throat> you know, there, the, each and every one of these verses preach volumes. I can't get to the, even barely skim the, the surface of what the, the import and the intent that God has for you and for me in this, in this, uh, in this verses. And when, <coughs> see, um, With his strength and his knowledge and his ability, he can accomplish whatever he chooses to accomplish in this space-time-matter continuum of his universe. And his mercy, God's mercy is him not giving us the punishment that we deserve for our sin. He is faithful to punish his children, to correct, to reprove, reproof, and to even discourage those that have been recalcitrant in their service to him, even to bringing sin before him. But we know, too, that he is faithful and just to forgive sin if we're, if we're, if we're willing to confess it for him. But his mercy, it endures forever. It says, see, there is no end to God period. There is no end to his mercy. There is no end to his love. There is no end to his grace. The whole world can dip and dip and dip and partake of all these wonderful characteristics and, and never run dry. Consider that when God created this universe, the expanse of it, 
the visible evidence of his power, that it, all those suns and those galaxies, all that energy, they posit that there are suns out there that are as large as our, universe, as our solar system, pouring out millions and millions and millions of tons of energy. And that, that God created that in a moment in time. And then we want to go that he had that power, he had the knowledge to do that. He knows the best for you and for me, and if we're willing to, just like that, that light socket and the cord, to access the power in the power plant, you've got to plug into it, right? Otherwise, the power's there, but unless you turn access it, you get no benefit from it. And God would have us to access that power and to accept his mercy, to come seeking his mercy. That's the matter of seeking forgiveness for our sin and asking God to be merciful. Like that man, like that, like the <coughs> that lost sinner, the, the, the Pharisee and the publican, the one man came out there beating on his chest about how great he was, and the other one said, he couldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I hope if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll make the decision to come to that point where you understand you can't get through life. You cannot get through life without God. To leave this, this, this world and step into eternity without God is to consign you straight into the center of the earth and the fires of hell the last place the resting place death and hell will be emptied into the lake of fire you don't know no soul need go there and all those souls in hell wish they had one more chance to repent and believe but you remember from Lazarus and the rich man the rich man didn't beg for himself he begged for his brothers because they still had the opportunity to know Christ as their Savior. He knew he didn't ask for mercy. There's no mercy in hell. The lost sinner will pay and pay and pay for their sin debt. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, but, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. That means to know him as an in, in an intimate, personal way and his righteousness unto children's children. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that benchmark verse. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. As I thought on this the other day, When I looked at this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How do we get knowledge? We get knowledge through the, through the instruction of wisdom. Wisdom can be personified and is personified as God himself. Wisdom is personified as, as the word of God. Are you willing to receive the instruction. Instruction is simply teaching. God, you know, this, this book, the Bible, 
is the greatest. I've said this many, many times, and I hope you'll get it, the import of what I'm saying. This is the greatest how-to book on the shelves in all in the library. You can get, you can get uh, books from everything from how to build a birdhouse to an atomic bomb. But this book, and it's the only book that can show you the way salvation, that it can give you knowledge of the holy, that through it and believing on the, the accepting the call to repent and believe the gospel, you can then have the wisdom that, that passes all understanding, the knowledge of, of the truth, of who God is. It also involves in getting understanding who we are. Pastor blasted on that this morning, and he laid it out. You have to understand that without God as your Savior, you're lost and headed to hell. You're condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The world is full of people today that are walking around assured or not caring where they're going, but each and every one of them, I don't care what country they're in, what sex they are, what condition in life, they're all the same in God's eyes. They're either a part of his family or they're not. And without Christ, there is only condemnation to that soul. The wage of sin is death. You're going to pay the price. Why pay that price when you don't have to, when God has already paid it for you? <clears throat> all right. Okay. He talked about, again, his strength and his mighty arm. Psalm 98, verse 1, says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. God wants us to sing songs. You got that again? I never really caught that. But that, you know, he wants us to be singing praise to him. Isn't that wonderful to have that thought that we can do that any moment in time? Get your eyeballs off the screen of the video screen. Sit down and listen to some music and let God talk to you and then sing for him. God loves that. This for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Well, the victory is won. He won the victory on the cross, you know. Pastor again pointed that out today when he said it is finished. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about the work that he had come to perform. Everything that needed to be done <coughs> was accomplished on cross Calvary. So when that thief, when that repentant thief confessed before, uh, before him and before God in heaven, that thief on the cross was, was saved in that moment in time. No chance to do good works, no chance for baptism, no chance for anything but to suffer and die and then go home to heaven because he believed on God as his Savior. <clears throat> God hates pride. Pride and that stiff neck, that stiff knee that keeps from bending before God. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And uh, <clears throat> you look at this, this guy right here. See that? See that? Lewis isn't here, is he? When I saw that, I was thinking of Lewis when he was when he was up here doing the you know hair before the game. Well, that's the way people are. They, they, they get hard to the things of God. 
You should not be. And that's what pride is. A, it's worse than super glue. It'll, it'll just. It'll carry you to hell in a handbasket. Don't be like that. Humble yourself, the Bible says. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Okay, we're getting down here. Proverbs 16, verse 18. This is another benchmark verse. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That verse, ladies and gentlemen, is an absolute. There's no getting around that. You understand? It's not talking about uh, destroying a car or a building. It's talking about the destruction of the soul. And it's not that that soul is like a drop of water on that, like on top of my wood stove. <coughs> drop it on there, gone. No. Destruction talks about like that building, like a bombed out building. The building really didn't cease to exist. It just was reduced to something that was not not acceptable for use anymore. But all the bricks and all the stuff is still there, but it's reduced down to, to, to nothing. And that's the way that soul is in hell. There's wailing and gnashing of teeth for being in that utter outer blackness that they're, they're, they will live for eternity in a corruptible body that's, that's on fire. All the time. You ever have a little sore? You ever get? You ever burn yourself a little bit on the finger or something? Hurts, don't it? Let's think about your whole body being in on flames forever. That's the punishment. Part of the punishment for the sinner that bends the knee. I hate it when I would go into the jail and I'd see, preach the gospel message. You see somebody sitting there like this, and you want to kick them right in the head. They made up their mind to not believe. And you can't do anything about it. I can't make anybody believe. But the Holy Spirit, if he's drawing to you, if he's talking to you in this moment in time, soften that heart. And not harden it against the things of God. God wants you to be a part of his forever family. And he's making this offer to you even in this moment in time. Make the choice. Get real before God. Because a haughty spirit, that's the one, that's like that guy back in there. Don't be like that. There's no person in hell today that's glad about being there. And there's no way out. There's a great gulf fixed between there and heaven. There's no spanning in between. There's not, nothing in between for the, for the lost soul. For the soul of the saints in heaven, in eternity we'll have the, the whole realm of this universe to inspect. God can say, oh, go over to that galaxy over there. I got some, something I'll just do. I got a planet over there that's all full of flowers, Jim. I want you to go over there and walk around today. We don't know, but it's going to be glorious. The greatest thing that you can imagine to be in heaven is it's just a fragment, it's a, just a, a picture of what it's already be going to be like. Mm. 
verse 52. He has, he has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Those that are humble themselves. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away. He hath sent empty away. Well, I don't know you need to say much about that. It's self-explanatory. For those that want to go their own way in this life, well, you will pay for that. That, that hardened heart, well, it's not going to win in the battle against God. You can fight, you can fight, but you can't win that war. Proverbs 21, verse 1, it talks about that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He hath turneth it whithersoever he will. Man, it's hard for me in, the, in some of the things I've seen going on in, in government and in the world and my own life, you know. Why is God doing that? You know? You know, I served my country in war. I was proud of my country, and to see it brought down to the position that it is, it grieves me to the core of my being. Yet, I know it's for the good, for God's good, that what's going on in our world and this country is for good. Because it's a part of his big picture. I'm just a little, little, little tiny part in that. But I'm proud to be a part of his, his forever kingdom. And I'm surrendered to his will for my life, come what may. Because I know, I know, I know, I know there's something better coming. I'm not going to be dragging around this miserable carcass much longer. Okay. Better quit that. Job chapter 5, verse 11 says, To set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn, may be exalted to safety. Uh, yeah. Safety? Read heaven. Okay? Think so? I think so. What's a better place for safety for the, for the Christian? Go home to God's arms. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprises. Man, it, it, that, there it is, you know. I, I just... It galls me sometimes to see the people that are in positions of power, the impunity with, with where they go through, making life miserable for, for the rest of us, for a lot of people, doing their wicked things. But God says, ultimately, all those devices, all those things that they're machinating right now is going to come an end to it. It talks about those that are going to go into the millennium lost. They're only going to be lost people initially. <clears throat> I'm led to believe in the millennium. And there's going to be Jews, 144,000 saved and, and the prophets and so on. <laughs> but all those that, that have given themselves to the world and to Satan, they're going to be ones that the Bible talks about. They're going to be looking. They're going to hide in the rocks. All the millions and the billions that they got won't count for spit. They're going to be trying to save their life. And in the end, they're going to be cut off and they're going to go to hell. You can't win in the war against Satan, against God. Satan has you, if you're lost, he has you in a snare that's going to take you 
where you don't want to go. And he provides for his, his children. He says, I have been young, but now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteousness, the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Well, I can just say amen to that. God takes care of his children. He cares about us in greater ways than we'll ever know. And then speaking in verses 54 and 55, Mary said, He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. What she's alluding to is some of the promises that God has made, that he is going to, he is going to renew Israel in the end, that his mercy is ever to them. Listen, uh, <clears throat> even though Israel, by and large, has turned their back against God, God hasn't turned his back against them. He's allowed them to become maybe the, the second or the third most powerful nation in the world. Very, very industrious, very, very well off economically. Now, they might say that it was all the work of their hands, but it was God allowing them to be prepared uh, to defend their borders. That's his land. That's God's land. That's their land. Don't talk to me about this Palestinian state. It's all his. From the river of Egypt to the Euphrates, to the, from the Mediterranean Sea to the wilderness, all his. It's all Israel's. It's all Israel's. If they give it away, they're not, they're not doing right before God. He'll, have, he'll, he'll fix that one day. Okay. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So, Isaiah 31, verse 3, For the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And that's, that's specifically talking about Israel, but it's talking about all, all people, all time, everywhere, you know. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. When he went to the cross, again, he did all the, all the work necessary that an individual can know forgiveness of sin. With loving kindness, PLC, tender loving kindness, have I drawn thee? <clears throat> God has given each and every individual in this existence for that lost person uh, a time of, of uh, not exactly pardon, but he's just been, he's forbearing judgment in this time. He, he's, you know, he, the forbearance talks about that God is just choosing not to judge them. Because the Bible says the goodness of God the goodness and forbearance of God leadeth us to salvation. And so God is, and don't think that God is sitting there tapping his foot like that. He, you know, he's, he's willing that none should perish, but all must come to him and repentance. He has to make that choice. So, Mary's song. One more. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Can you say that in this moment in time? 
Mary was a wonderful young lady. She lived a life. And you know, even as Joseph received a lot of recrimination in his life, you know, for, for, uh, uh, for being accused for a sin that he hadn't done, so did Mary, you know. She had to live with that her whole life. Well, there she was. She, she had a baby. She wasn't married. Mary didn't let that stop her and her witness and her service to her God. She raised up those some sons and daughters and were led to believe that after, that after they'd seen and heard the testimony of their stepbrother, Jesus, that, uh, that they were saved. We know that at least one, one was. James became a, a church leader. So I'll hold it up before you. I want to, I want to turn it over to Pastor Demo. I want you to be serious about this. I tried to show my heart to you for, for how I regard the greatest thing in existence anybody could know. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God extends that gift to you, lost person. He wants you to accept it. Make that choice even now, Pastor Demo.